John chapter 5, verses 31 through 47. The name of this message today, as on the screen, should be down in a corner down here, one of these corners, Reliable Witness. John chapter 5, verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father Himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. But you do not have His word abiding in you because whom He sent, Him, you do not believe. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, your word is true no matter how we perceive it, no matter what we think about it, no matter the doubts and fears swirling in our minds at times about your existence or whether the Bible's infallible, yet you remain true. And Jesus, you are true reality. And yet somehow or another, parts of us question that, go different directions, and don't believe you really are trying to challenge us to be different. Heavenly Father, this day I ask you to cast those doubts out from us. Give us ears to hear and a willing spirit and heart, that we might glorify you in all that we say and do. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been reading out of the New Testament, John chapter 5, and I read also further back in the New Testament from the book of Hebrews. Now you say, well, I knew that because I was following along, I know where those books are, but did you know why there's a New and an Old Testament in the Bible? Now the word testament might give you a little clue. The word testament comes from the word testimony. It's a telling of a story. And so the Bible then is the old story and the new story. But there's another word that means testimony, and it's the word witness, which we find in today's passage. And in the Old Testament then, it would be the old witness, and the New Testament would be the new witness. And guess what? All of Scripture, entire Bible, is one story. It's not an old story and a new story. It's not an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's not an Old Testimony and a New Testimony. It is one story. 
And that one story is the story of Jesus Christ. Through and through, from the old all the way into the new, it's all one cohesive work. It's one book of witness. It's one testament to one man who is God made flesh, Jesus Christ. It is His testimony and our testimony about who He is and establishes that fact of who He is. Now, it's true that a lot of people call it the Old and New Testament because they're trying to find the book uh, in and say, where is it? But the fact of the matter is to be more correct is to say we're in the testimony, we're in the witness about Jesus Christ. It's called the Bible. It's the best thing to call it. Where in the Bible is it? Because the Bible is a collection of books that tell the same continuous story beginning to end. And it's not like one story and then a second. It's all one. And so remember that when you hear this a passage that Jesus is talking about because this passage is very challenging. It shows the reality of Jesus' character, His identity, but it also, if you look real close, and we're going to do that, tells you our character and identity and how to discern it as to our true nature and character and how we live that out. But before we get to that, let me break down a little bit more about testimony, testament, and witness. In terms of the uh, time when Jesus lived, when someone said they bore witness, it was a person who verified the identity of another person or their character or their qualifications. And so in their time frame and what they believed, they said it was a person who gave witness to the character or nature or honor of another it wasn't from any other source. It wasn't from a, an action by that person. It wasn't what you said about yourself or what you said to another. It's what someone said about you. And that was the only thing they accepted at that time. Now Jesus, when He starts to speak about this, says something a little different. He says... If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true because it's a, it's a man talking about himself. In the eyes of the people who are hearing this, they agreed. We never testify of ourselves. Now, in our day and time here in our country, we, uh, we can testify in court, have our day in court under oath, if you will. And uh, that's when we get a chance to share our story and people get to listen. And that is a witness or a testimony of what we have experienced. It isn't so in the time of Jesus. They would not accept the person talking about their own credentials or whether they were right or wrong. They would only accept that about somebody else. But Jesus said, I don't um, bear witness to myself. He said, there's another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Now, that witness that he's talking about, you might say, well, that was John the Baptist when he came and baptized Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of the God who takes away the sin of the world. But it's not who it was. And Jesus could have pulled from John the Baptist's testimony as a man which they would have accepted about Jesus because he was another person. But Jesus says, 
You said to John, and he bore witness to the truth or the reality of who Jesus is. But he said in verse 34, I do not receive testimony from a man, but I say these things so you can be saved. In other words, if you're going to believe a man, believe John, but that's not my witness. That's not who testifies of me. John was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time, he says about John, to rejoice in his light, to listen to what John said and believe him. But in verse 36, he says, I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, they bear witness. Now, let me pause there. He says, I have a greater witness than a person. Now, this is going to perk up their ears. And I'll tell you why. Because that's the only testimony they accept. And so, if there's a greater testimony than a person, they want to know what it is. And Jesus tells us what those witnesses that He has are. The works that He does, the Father Himself, and the Scriptures. Those three. Works, or actions, or deeds and words. The Heavenly Father, or God, and the Holy Scriptures. All bear witness to Jesus. And that's what He begins to say. When... Jesus talks about the witness. He talks about the witness in terms of establishing character and who he is. And in that society, it was about honor or shame. In other words, a person could testify to your honor or testify to your dishonor. And when Jesus talks about the witness that is given to him, he says... You all seek honor from one another. But you don't seek it from God. That's verse 44. He says, How can you believe in me? You receive honor from one another and never seek the honor that comes from God. And the true honor in our life is the honor God gives us. The true witness in yours and my life is what the Heavenly Father says about us. Any other witness is not going to be true and reliable. The honor that was given to Jesus by His Heavenly Father was on more than one occasion. It was on the Mount of Transfiguration and it was when John baptized Jesus and Heavenly Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. That's God witnessing who Jesus is. The honor that the Heavenly Father gave to His Son that Jesus has was based on several things. The first one is character. The second thing was His identity. The third thing was a reality. The fourth thing were His actions. And the fifth and most important was His obedience. Honor was given by the Heavenly Father to Jesus. Again, based on character, identity, reality, action, and obedience. Each of these is clear and consistent to who Jesus Christ is. Because He had those consistent characters, a pure, godly heart would recognize Jesus as being from God. A pure, godly heart also embraces Holy Scripture as truth and reality and entirety as a testimony to Jesus. The testament of who He is. 
A pure godly heart would recognize scriptures like that. People will argue with them. They'll say, oh, this doesn't mean that. That pure godly heart doesn't do that. It's looking for the reality of Jesus throughout the scripture and the consistency of the story, which is there. So if the scripture witnesses then the testimony of Jesus and the heavenly father witnesses the testimony of who Jesus is, then why would Jesus want to reject John's witness for proof of who he was? Why didn't he want John's witness, which was a true witness, to stand? It's in verses 34 and 36 where he says, I do not receive testimony from man, and I have a greater witness than John's. So I don't need those, he says. But Jesus did not want a human being to give him the credibility from a person. Do you know what I mean by that? He didn't want a human being to testify to his nature because human beings did not truly understand all he was. You say, but John witnessed this. Listen carefully. John sent messengers later when he was in prison saying, are you really the Christ? Are you the one? And Jesus sent back, watch the miracles that I've done. Go tell them what you've seen and heard. John still questioned, and therefore his witness that he was a Lamb of God didn't resonate out of a fully convinced heart. Jesus accepted and pointed us to works, the Heavenly Father, and the witness of the Scriptures, and nothing else for his definition of who he was. You ever heard the phrase, your witness? In court, after an attorney or a lawyer is questioning a defendant or someone on the stage uh, at the seat next to the judge, and they finish questioning, they turn to the other opposing counsel and say, your witness. That means you can now question this person and ask them questions about who they are. So in court, in our society, we use people to establish verification of truth because we believe when they take the oath, they're going to tell the truth. The fact of the matter is some people plead the Fifth Amendment and some people lie because people can lie and people can be half-truth and they don't remember things accurately. They don't always know true reality. People are not reliable witnesses, but we still use them. But we also accept other people's words about us for the same reason. Like if someone's saying something about us, we get offended. Or if someone posts something on social media and we get all upset because they said it about us, and it was a human being who does not know our true character. Even if it was something positive, they still don't know our true character. They can't bear a true witness, a real witness of who we are. Yet we seem to accept others' words about us or about another person. So, for an example, one time my wife had a situation at work with a person she wasn't getting along with. She told me about it. They worked it out. But I was still upset. I said, this person has a bad character because my wife said so. But I didn't know this person. And I had not had an association with this person to accept someone else's opinion of that person. But it was second-hand information. And so, when we 
accept someone else's testimony about somebody else. It's secondhand information, not first. And even if we witness something about someone, it doesn't mean we know their heart and their motive. It's just what we think. Words from another person about someone else, according to Jesus, are not reliable testimony or witness to who they are. Don't use that. Not then. Jesus didn't. Don't use it now. Don't use it ever. Jesus said, do not receive any testimony or witness from a human being. Not about character. Not about nature. Not about who you are. Well, then what, well, what, 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 well if I can't use someone, what someone else says, how am I going to do it? Jesus tells us. The same thing that works for him works for you and me. The first thing is, what are your works witness? What do you talk about? What do you say? Are your works wrought, formed in God? Now, these are witnesses to you of who you are. Listen, the witness of God confirms to you who you are. If your works are wrought in God and the Heavenly Father sees that, like He did with His Son, He'll say, well done. You are my beloved child. I'm well pleased with you. He will speak that over you. He will sing that over you that your works were wrought in God because you love God. And God will witness that to you. Other people might take your works and say, well, I don't think that was from God. I think that was selfish nature. And it gets you second guessing. But if your works are wrought in God, God will confirm that for you. Because your works witness. And the second thing God would, would um, or witness would be with God. What would God say over you? You know, I've heard a lot of people say that there's a lot of people with integrity and talk about different people saying this person is really godly, really righteous, really loves Jesus. But what would God say about them, about me, or about you when He looks at your private and alone time? When He looks at your heart? Scripture says God doesn't look at outward appearances. He looks at the heart and the character of the person, why they do what they do, and what you do when nobody's looking. What you think about. God knows your heart and your mind. What would God say as a witness about that? The witness that Jesus received from His Father is that He is well pleased. Is God well pleased with your thoughts, your words, your actions, even when no one's looking. And the third thing Jesus says that testifies to himself are the Holy Scriptures. From Moses at the very beginning all the way into Revelation. Everything points to Jesus Christ. You say, but there's some things in there that don't. Listen carefully. Not everything in there says this is about Messiah. If you're looking for Jesus Christ in the Scripture, don't shorten Him to just a Messiah who walked on the earth. He's the Son of God. He's the Redeemer. He's bigger than what you understand as the man Jesus walking on the earth 2,000 years ago. He's different than that. He's the Son of God. He's God made flesh. He's God made incarnate so we can be approached by Him and we can approach Him so He can redeem us as flesh redeems flesh. So that's what the Scripture says is who He is and He's the reality. But what about us? 
If we were to read through scriptures, uh, like maybe Ezekiel chapter 14, I read that today. It was really good. It talks about idols that Israel had. And he said, I'm going to destroy you because you're idols. You won't tear them down. You won't get rid of them. Do you have idols? People say, no, no, I don't have any little carved images hanging in my uh, house or a wall that I worship. Do you have idols? Do you have idols? Do you have money as your idol? Or prestige? Or uh, let, me, let me break this down for you. An idol is anything that you put ahead of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That you spend more time with and prefer over Him. That's an idol. You say, well, geez, that's kind of messing with me a little bit. Well, the Scripture just says that about idols. But if you go through the entire Bible... Does it witness to you that you are obedient to what the Bible says? You say, well, I think so. Do you spend time in it learning your truth about who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you? Do you know these things? Do you line up with Scripture? Jesus said, the Scriptures testify to me. Do the Scriptures testify to your godliness or is the part of the Scripture that testifies to you the part that's self-centered and unwilling to take up your cross? That's the witness. And, and what the folks who heard Jesus say all this said, well, we have Moses. He's our witness. And He's the one who convinced us that we belong to God. And Jesus' response to that is, if you really believed what you believe, you would love me. Because anything that comes from God is going to honor me and witness to me that I am who I am. Jesus is confirmed by three reliable witnesses and John the Baptist, who was unreliable. So there's the question for you. What does the witnesses that Jesus says true about Him say about you? What do your works say? What will God say about your private time? What would the Scripture say if you looked at your life in relation to what God asks and calls us to be like? Now, I'm not going to tell you what those answers are for you. But I will tell you this. When I began looking at these things and I saw in myself areas of doubt, even though believing in Jesus, I go, but, but, and, and there's always these little hesitations. And I said, God, why is that? And the only thing I could understand about that is that when, when I walk in the Holy Spirit or when you walk within the Holy Spirit's power and you show the power of Christ and walk in that Spirit supernaturally, the doubts and fears dissipate. Because you see the power of God working through you. Until you stop walking in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another way though. If you are studying Scripture and trying to line your life up with that, you're witnessing to yourself that you're trying to live a godly life. If you're seeking God's pleasure and pleasing Him, you're trying to live a godly life. So the works then... Are you trying to walk in the Holy Spirit with Holy Spirit power, trying to manifest Jesus everywhere you go? That is the works that witness that you're trying to show the world Jesus. And you say, but I'm not Jesus. 
No, you're not. But in a moment, you can represent Him. Don't miss this. This is the best part of this whole passage. It's kind of underwritten and understood. Jesus Christ was God in all His glory, stripped of His glory to become human like us. God made flesh. We call it the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He's the God-man. All God, all man. That's why He's the Son of God made flesh and He could live out a godly life. He didn't have that stuff inside us that questions whether or not God's real, whether He's real. There was no maybes inside Him. There's only yes, this is true. Yes, Scripture is true. And no doubts. He's the only person that had that. It was God made flesh that way. Now here's the thing that, that you can realize about yourself is that you can make stuff flesh too. God can make stuff flesh through you. Through the works of Christ through you, He can make God flesh in you. He can make God's joy over you true in your flesh. You can become incarnate of those things. And you can become incarnate with what the Scripture says is true as you begin to live it out and be a part of who you are. It is meat for you. Eat it. Digest it. And it becomes a part of who you are. And then it is incarnate inside you. The question I have for you is, what in your flesh do you make real? Is it self-serving? Is it self-sacrifice? Is it a love of God that is incarnate in your body that you want to live out to the world? And Jesus says, when you live that way, you are bearing witness that you belong to God. And that is a very reliable witness. Even to yourself. I think that's awesome. And here's the thing. Last two verses, and I'm going to close with this. He says, If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And he did. In the first five books of the Bible. He says, but if you do not believe his writings, which testify to Jesus and who he is, he said, how are you going to believe what I say? If you don't believe the things that are true already, how are you going to believe the rest of the truth? If you negate some part of the truth, the rest of what you believe is going to be based on an unsolid foundation. You have to be built on the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ throughout all Scripture. But if you don't want to believe that, how are you ever going to receive His Word to be alive in you where you can make Him flesh again inside you? How's He going to dwell in you if you're not willing to believe the Bible? And that is the greatest witness to ourselves of what we reject in Scripture is what we reject about the truth of God. Or what we don't put into practice is what we reject in our lives. And in so doing, we disagree with it and say this isn't about Him. Where that comes from, why we do it, why you might do it, different reasons, but none of them are from God. 
God wants you to have a full heart, full of joy, walking in strength, power, and a sound mind, in love. That's all He wants for you. That's what He's trying to do. And when you live that way, Scripture will line up with everything you say and do because you'll line up with that. The Heavenly Father will be well pleased with you and your works will follow you showing that you belong to Him. For me, this is a powerful message about a reliable witness I hope we all have and desire. If not, may God convict you the same. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, inasmuch as we are not like what Jesus asked us to be, and as much as those things which witness to who He is do not witness to us, I ask right now that You would show clearly where we're putting things in the way, trying to stop things, trying to move things away from our reality into into just chaos. Because the reality is, is that we are in need of a Savior, in need of a Messiah. And the one who we need has already come and established truth and life. And He's born out of the witness, the threefold witness that says He is who He said He was. And Heavenly Father, why our hearts might doubt that, why they might question that, why we might not ever line up with that. Heavenly Father, that's because the enemy doesn't want us to have this truth. And my fear is that after I say amen, that people will turn it off and say, it was nice, really good. But they'll walk away and never see the truth about themselves enough to say, God, never again, never again will I let doubt harbor. I'm going to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit so I can see your power move through me. And in so doing, you'll be manifested. And when you're manifested, all doubt and fear fade. God, work in us. Mold our hearts that we might mold the world around us in love. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our worship today and part of the second Sunday in Advent here. We uh, truly are blessed to be a part of the kingdom of God together, working together. There are a lot of things we want to do as a church together, I as a pastor. I hope you'll join and participate and be a part of all of it. For those of you who are going to join us on this charge conference, I'll see you at three. For those of you not, I'll see you next week. Be blessed, be safe, and uh, let God bless others through you. Amen.